if I find a pair of pants that fits, best believe I'm going to buy three other pairs. Right. Do I look hot in this? Do they fit well? Do they make my butt look good? Yes. Add three more to the cart. Welcome to Millennial, the home of pretend adulting and real talk. I'm Andrew. I'm Maura. And I'm Pamela. (laughs) Doing the intro just reminded me. One of my friends here decided to play Millennial in my presence on Friday. Oh, no. So when when it got to the intro, I did exactly what I say in the episode. So I just said in real life, welcome to Millennial, the home of pretend adulting (laughs) real talk. But I was glad he played it because like three ads played at the beginning. I was like, sweet. Thank you for your ad <laughs> revenue. Right. Thank you for your contribution. Keep keep downloading and listening. It's not in front of me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't even yeah. let Pat listen without headphones on, right? That's the thing that oh, he was right. doing during the pandemic. So just what I want to do, hear myself after hearing myself talk live, editing myself, watching the social media clips. Now I get to hear it in the wild. <laughs> But speaking of ad revenue and support, um, just wanted to plug that our Bay and executive producer patrons can enjoy the latest Roll Call, which was recorded a few days ago. And this is a new benefit in this month's installment. I surprise called Laura and Pam on Thursday night, and I asked them about their Valentine's Days. And these Roll Call bonus episodes will... I think, remind you of the earliest days of our show in which we're just kind of talking about whatever comes into our heads. Or in the case of this week, we were quizzing Pam on this guy who seemed into her, but not vice versa. Is that still dead in the water, Pam? We'll see. I'll keep you guys posted. Stay tuned. Next installment of Roll Call. I think we inspired Pam, Laura. I think we we got to Maybe Maybe I'll just do it for the show, but for Roll Call specifically. (laughs) So like I said, this is one of our newest benefits on Patreon. It's a really great benefit for the Bay and executive producer patrons. So definitely check that out. And today we're going to talk about ethical consumerism and de-influencing and hiding paid influencing, which might happen a lot more than you expect if a new survey is to be believed. Laura, why don't you kick things off for us today? Yeah, so... Kind of like you just said in your intro, we really got interested in talking about the idea of ethical consumerism just because it is definitely a trend that you see more often with millennials and Gen Zers, whether it's looking at doing things like thrifting instead of, you know, buying fast fashion clothing items, um, you know, really pursuing fair trade coffee versus non-fair trade coffee, and then um, going the route of socially responsible investing. That is that last one is kind of a new concept for me around, you know, really making sure that when you're making investments, you're actually investing those in socially responsible companies. I, I'll be honest, <laughs> I don't think I am. <laughs> I feel like I need to ask. I I feel like I need to do a little more research on something like that. But these are kind of topics that we wanted to dig into today in thinking about what types of ethical consumerism have appealed to us in the past. What are we doing? What's hard about it? What's easy about it? And like, what are the, the shortfalls otherwise? Well, to get the ball rolling, you mentioned doing some research 
I do a little research when it comes to fair trade coffee because I enjoy trying different coffee roasters and grinding the beans myself for a nice fresh cup in the morning. I actually went to one of my favorite coffee's websites earlier today, Kahawa Coffee. Uh, I actually discovered them through Shark Tank, and you can find them in Trader Joe's and uh, Sprouts. I've seen them in as well. And of course, you can order online. Really nice, smooth coffee that I, I love. But they have a page <laughs> that asks, what's better than fair trade coffee? Delicious Conscious coffee sourced directly from women farmers. Fair trade certification can be expensive and often out of reach for small scale farmers. That's why we partner with our coffee farmers directly and pay higher prices for specialty coffee, more than double the fair trade minimum price. So it's not necessarily about just finding the fair trade label or the USDA label or something that says, you know, socially responsible investing, this fund is socially responsible. If you just look a little deeper, you might actually find some surprising answers. Yeah, you definitely will. And I think you're going to find that even with uh, coffees that are able to obtain that fair trade label, it doesn't, it is quite costly to pursue the label. But in terms of what differentiates a fair trade farm, they are able to sort of meet the fair trade standards because those fair trade minimums are maybe in a lot of ways only a half step up from what uh, a lot of, you know, these major companies are doing when they're trading with local coffee farmers. So for instance, Andrew, when you were talking about um, this one coffee brand and them saying that they pay more than double the the minimum fair trade amount. That sounds really good, but, and I've only done a little bit of reading on this. My understanding is that the minimum fair trade amount also isn't <laughs> the highest. <laughs> so it's a low bar to cross. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of the problems that we can run into as consumers is, a lot of the promotion of ethical consumerism is really dependent on good marketing. So there are some times where something can be spun in a way to make it sound better than it is. But then as the consumer, how much control do you have over that? Well, it's like Apple does this a lot, too. Like they yeah. did a commercial last year where they had Octavia Spencer playing Mother Earth herself and just leaning into how environmentally friendly they are and steps that they're taking. And that's all great, but there's still so much more work that they can do. But they sort of almost brainwash you into thinking that what they're doing is enough. I thought that a really good example of um, just what you know the bitch can be about ethical consumerism and just wanting to be a more conscious consumer is sometimes you'll go for something that really seems like it is conflict free and then find out it isn't actually. So Forbes actually reported recently that although, you know, lab grown diamonds are not the direct cause of death in the way that blood diamonds are to people, Lab-grown diamonds are actually made from burning coal in China and India, which is obviously terrible in a very different way. But I feel like I've seen the lab-grown diamond, the moissanite, uh, as something that has become really, really trendy for engagement rings, of course, but also just, I think, for 
flashy jewelry in general. So it's just interesting to see that we, and I include myself in that, will sometimes feel better about a product and then better about ourselves because we are led to believe that something is 100% conflict-free when that would actually be pretty hard to accomplish, I think. It's the out of sight, out of mind thing, right? Yeah. Similar to our clothes or anything that um, sometimes labels will say, and I think Andrew maybe just brought this up in terms of Apple, like um, parts are made here, but it's assembled in the United States. And I feel like a lot of times people just hone in on the fact that part of it is made in the United States. And then they think, well, that's great. I'm not supporting um, unfair work conditions or sweatshops or anything like that. But if the parts are still being made elsewhere, then, you know, you're kind of just fooling yourself into thinking that those people are getting paid what you would consider to be a livable wage. So I guess it is, I guess it comes down to where is everybody's line and everybody's going to have a different answer for that. Yeah. How much can you tolerate before you decide I am not going to support this company? And it's tough because, you know, a lot of times fake sustainability is not as accessible as far as like price points go. The interesting thing about the um, lab diamonds and moissanites is that they are more accessible in price in relation to real diamonds. And so that to me is interesting because now you have something that is being touted as better because it's sustainable, um, but it's also more affordable, which you don't often see. Usually you're paying more to feel better about something like fair trade coffee or yeah. clothing that that is made ethically. Yeah. And Pam, in the pre-show, we were talking specifically about this price disparity between lab-grown diamonds and naturally occurring diamonds and how the diamond industry is complete bullshit to begin with. Diamonds actually aren't worth anything. Um, they're not. They're not all that hard to find, and they're clearly not all that hard to make. Um, but we've just been convinced through rabid consumerism that these are the ultimate symbol of love, especially for an engagement ring. So you have to have one on your finger. And now that it's more accessible for everyone, I just wonder what we're going to see it do to the rest of the playing field. Like, are naturally occur? Like, what's the what's the big bad diamond company we were talking about, Pam? For anybody that doesn't know, the De Beers company is basically the reason why we all think that diamonds are the be all end all of engagement rings is because it was all done as part of an ad campaign for the De Beers company so that they could sell more diamonds. And this is like pretty recent history. I believe that they like put this campaign out like in the 1920s or something like that, maybe even closer to our time. So because before that, engagement rings were not uh, diamonds were not the focal point of engagement rings so we were basically spoon fed this ad and we all went along with it and now that is why diamonds are the a pinnacle of engagement so it was very smart advertising on their part but it also breeds a lot of problems or has bred a lot of problems one of our listeners who saw our plans for this week's episode on our patreon uh, her name is melody and she said me reading this doc after my now husband and I recently received my lab diamond engagement ring. And it's that new like shaky <laughs> vibrating emoji face like, whoa. And listen, <laughs> I love that Melody shared this because 
I think it just highlights the reality of what it is to be a consumer in this world. Like, I would argue that a lab-grown diamond that comes as a result of pollution is better than a blood diamond that a lot of people died violently for. So, you know, we're moving in the right direction. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um But at the same time, you're one person and one person can make themselves crazy feeling like they have to do everything exactly right all the time. I think about what Mackenzie said when we had her on after the Titan submersible debacle, when we were talking about ocean sustainability, the best thing that you can do as an individual is pick one thing that you really care about and devote your energy to that. And then the rest of the time, I say, like what you like within reason. I don't see a problem with it. I think these are really great alternatives for people looking for that traditional style engagement ring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's also not going to break the bank because that's the other thing, too. It's, it's kind of crazy how there's all these like dumb rules about um, jewelry in terms of like getting engaged and how much oh, yeah. someone should spend or shouldn't spend. But then also like, I mean, I know somebody who spent $19,000 <gasps> on an engagement ring. Stop. Yeah, stop. I said not to share that I, I did that. <laughs> Pat doesn't know yet. for Pat. <laughs> yeah. uh, among my, it's, it's a family acquaintance and behind his back, we call him 19K. He won't even let his wife <laughs> wear the ring out because he's too scared of people stealing the ring or like mugging her but then it's like why would you spend nineteen thousand dollars because she wanted that ring that exact ring so in that sense it's like well maybe it would have been better for them to go for a lab grown diamond because first of all it would have been cheaper and then maybe he would have actually let her enjoy the ring that she picked out and like would not accept yeah this is a weird dynamic like i'm just imagining that she puts it on every time she comes home. 19K is kind of a cool nickname, though. You said you call him 19K. That's kind of badass. Behind his back. Because <laughs> he has. I a wish very, somebody called me that. He has a very generic name, and so we just happen to know multiple people with this name. So whenever oh, okay. this person comes up, um, they go, "Oh, like we'll call him Bob." It's like, "Oh, Bob, yeah, Bob, 19K Bob, or this other Bob." It's like 19K Bob. Okay, cool, got it. <laughs> I love this, Pam. Your family has all the best stories and nicknames for Craziest people, by the way. Because <laughs> we're lat- Latinos. <laughs> Can't escape. Well, do any of us, and th- this is like the honesty corner, by the way, do any of us feel a little bit better about ourselves when we make a choice as a consumer that we feel like is environmentally, socially just otherwise conscious. How do we feel about ourselves in that moment? I will admit, like, I've had times where I have felt proud to purchase something that seemed like it was a sustainable choice for whatever reason. Um, I definitely bought Rothy's for a while after they were a sponsor on our show because I really genuinely liked the shoes and I felt good about their mission. I mean, these are shoes that are made from recycled plastic water bottles and they were really cute. So yeah, I felt good about making that choice. 
Similarly, I felt good, and this is a much larger purchase, but buying an EV. It was surreal to me, like the first few weeks having an EV, driving around knowing that the car was not giving off any emissions. Like that just felt futuristic. And it also felt like I was doing something good, and I did feel less guilty about driving around. But any EV battery, too, they have to mine the earth to get that battery assembled. There's going to be some downside there as well. Is it a net positive? I believe ultimately, yes. Again, where is your line? I feel like my line moves depending on the issue. Like admittedly, I don't look too much into it when it comes to clothing. If I start hearing some really bad things about a particular company, then yes, I would stop supporting them. But like if I'm going into a store and just kind of sight unseen browsing around, oh, that that that's a cool jacket. That's a cool shirt. I'm not looking that much further. Yeah, I agree. I I don't really, in terms of clothing, I also probably don't care to look at the label often. If I do, it's an afterthought just out of curiosity. But honestly, it's just because it's so hard to find clothes um, as a woman, or even if you are somebody that wants to shop in the women's section. So like, if I find a pair of pants that fits, best believe I'm going to buy three other pairs. You know, yeah, because I like those pants. Right. Do I look hot in this? Do they fit well? Am <laughs> exactly. I comfortable? Do they make my butt look good? Yes. Add three more to the cart. So, um, yeah, it's it's tough. It's hard out here. Um, as far as like um, feeling better than other people, I definitely feel this way about like composting, which is now compulsory for us in California. But even before when my family was doing it like definitely you do feel like you're doing something good for the environment and then you get like a little wake-up call like our guest that we had on that talked to us about recycling and you realize that you know your little contribution is maybe not going as far as you think it is so Mm -hmm. it yeah it's always a wake-up call now laura you're pescatarian None of us here are vegans, but there is this running joke. And I'm not saying I agree with this. I genuinely don't agree with this. But there's a running joke that vegans love to tell everybody that they're vegan. And I think that is something to be proud of. It is the idea of quitting meat forever and quitting dairy forever. That seems like an impossible task for me. There's certain meals in my life that I need. But on the flip side... A lot of this food is super, super processed. It's not like it's necessarily healthy food that they're eating. It's not necessarily healthy alternatives. Now, there can be, of course. But to make up for some of those tastes that you miss, you start eating like the fake cheese, the chocolate, the this, the that. And you're actually not eating any better in terms of um, the chemicals and how processed an item is. Of course, there's the animal aspect, which is admirable. But it's not like it's not like, oh, I'm that my body is now a perfect temple and and healthy because I'm eating vegan now. Yeah. Well, similarly, dairy alternatives, I I am actually mostly lactose intolerant, but so but I still have to think about the fact that it definitely we waste more water making oat milk, almond mm-hmm. milk, all that stuff than almond milk we especially. would just drinking. Yeah. cow milk, which not for my body, but there's a lot of people that can and drink that and just choose not to because they um, buy into a fad, whether that be, oh, it's better for the environment or like um, cow's milk is not good for human consumption. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I will say I actually um, did walk away from almond milk once I realized how much water is required for it. Also, almond milk is gross. I'm just going to yeah. be real. I feel like um, we made that pact on this show. Did we? We probably did. I think so, because I know that I, I switched over exclusively to oat milk because we were making like resolutions. Probably. Resolutions. That was probably a show resolution. <laughs> we're all making the switch to oat milk. Before oat milk, I switched to almond milk because I did feel a little better about drinking almond milk. This was before I knew about the water that it requires. But I never truly enjoyed almond milk. I never liked the taste. I just liked that it was an alternative to dairy milk. But then I discovered oat milk at a local coffee shop in Chicago. And my world was just instantly changed. Like, I could not believe, like, oh my God, a dairy alternative that I actually like the taste of. Same. Actually, you're the one who introduced me to oat milk, Andrew. I'd never had it before. Oh, do you want me to send you the- You took me to that coffee shop that you're talking about. Oh, I was like, girl, check this dairy alternative out. Yeah. I have an oat milk t-shirt from Urban Outfitters. Do you want it? Since you're an oat milk girly, because I don't wear it anymore. <laughs> oh, um, let me see it. Send me a picture okay. of it, and I'll. It just says oat milk. Literally, that's all it says. <laughs> if you want to walk, walk around looking like a snob, I've got a great shirt for you. And no see, brand or anything. That, nope. I'm glad you you bring that up, and you also bring up the example of like vegans potentially being a little bit holier than thou about being vegan. Want to just be clear, I don't think that. I think that with anyone who is on a very niche diet, there is a predisposition for some members of that population to want to talk about it all the time. And I think that's what we're seeing with vegans, you honestly see it too with pescatarians and vegetarians. Like, yeah, there's there's people like that in every crowd, but it's gatekeeping at the end of the day that sort of people are using to try and level themselves up and make you potentially feel like you're less moral because you're not doing as much as they are. And I find that so fucking irritating. I hate it when people do that. It can feel that way. Now, I enjoy dabbling in vegan and vegetarian meals, restaurants. I am always keeping a list of restaurants to explore that are vegetarian Remember or vegan. Remember our veggie I- grill days? Veggie Grill. There's, I think I've I've probably mentioned it here on the show before. There is a vegan taco restaurant here called Taco Terry, and there's like three or four locations now. It is freaking incredible, and I love talking it up. Now I I sound like a bit of a snob, being like, oh, I go to a vegan taco shop, but it's so good. So I can understand when if you're vegan or you're vegetarian and you discover something that kind of blows your mind, sharing it with other people. Oh so yeah. I can, so I can see why people talk about it from that angle, but it does also feel sometimes like we're being shamed because we're not vegetarian or vegan. But I have no shame about needing in and out in my life. I need it from time uh, <laughs> time to time every week. Yeah, I agree. Um, but all of that just made me think about the potential for gatekeeping when it comes to ethical consumerism. So we were just talking about food, but I'm wondering about any other industries where we may have seen this 
where people definitely think that they're holier than thou for their ethical choices. I'm thinking of the South Park episode they did about people driving Priuses. Do you remember that when the Prius first came out? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think like um, people that only use all natural cleaning substances and not necessarily ones you buy at the store, but like, um, like concoctions that they make on their own. Um, yeah, I, I'm thinking of one person in my life in particular <laughs> who's a bit of a crunchy mom, crunchy granola mom, and I've run into her before at Target, for example. So it's it's really funny because she's preaching all this stuff on her socials about being better, but then she still shops at Target. So there's there's clearly a line, <laughs> right? But like the the look on her face anytime she sees whatever I have in my cart and it's like cleaning supplies, it's like sorry, I'm gonna use the spray and walk away. <laughs> my shower i'm not dead yet yeah all the essential oils like all that stuff yeah or like i'm I'm all for holistic stuff like honey when you're sick i i I can see like how there's some benefits to some of it but it's like if somebody doesn't want to opt into that it's not like you shouldn't make them feel bad there's like Mm -hmm. modern medicine and modern cleaning supplies for a reason right it's for yeah um, again like the accessibility also like um Sometimes people don't have time to like prep all this stuff. You just never know. Well, we'll pivot to talking about the trend around de-influencing. But first, we hope we can influence you if you hear an ad in a moment. We'll be right back. On a somewhat related note, I also wanted to chat about the idea of de-influencing under this overall umbrella of conscious consumerism um, and kind of wanted to explore whether de-influencing is actually a thing. <laughs> so for anyone who may not know, uh, de-influencing is the overall philosophy that instead of encouraging you to buy stuff, de-influencers convince you to not buy stuff, which may raise a couple of questions in your mind, and we'll chat about those in a minute. Um, But there's this really great article from Vox that kind of covers the history of de-influencing. And they say, at first, many videos tagged de-influencing were genuine appeals to push back against influencer culture. People talked about how overspending and viral haul videos were part of an unsustainable and unethical system of capitalism that moved at the speed of TikTok trends, often including mea culpas about how their own videos had contributed to that system. Sounds like a great thing at the outset. But unfortunately, de-influencing turned into de-influencers posting negative reviews of products they don't like and making recommendations of alternate products to buy. So they were actually getting you to buy shit again. <laughs> so you're st- they were still profiting somehow. Found right. And I'm sure you could still find problems with these companies or products that they were recommending. Oh, for sure. Because there are problems with most things. Um, But what was so funny about a lot of these videos is that many of them were advertising products that they claimed could potentially help viewers with (laughs) overconsumerism. 
So they're like, buy this thing. It will help you stop buying other things. (laughs) Yeah. I could see some creators making this work, like being a de-influencer. Like, hey, you shouldn't buy this product because X, Y, Z and follow me for more truths about products. Like, for example, let's say you keep seeing an ad for a certain art piece on TikTok and then somebody actually orders it and it turns out the print quality was terrible. I've seen this happen from time to time. Like, oh, this art piece is so beautiful. Look how high res and sharp it is. And then you get it. It's like, this is awful. This was printed with a HP DeskJet printer from 1994. It just looks like garbage. So there could be influencers who are bringing attention to poor quality products that get way too much attention online. Honestly, I feel like the FTC needs to make their own de-influencing program to really highlight all of the the products and services out there that are scams. Because the FTC sues people all the time. (laughs) So it would be really funny if they got like a Gen Z marketing person (laughs) trying to actually educate the masses about this. Have we ever been de-influenced? Sometimes... There's so much negative attention about a particular company that I guess I do get de-influenced or I am de-influenced from talking about said companies on the internet. Say Chick-fil-A, say BetterHelp, which has gotten a lot of negative attention. I've used BetterHelp. I actually have liked BetterHelp, but it's no longer cool or acceptable to say that you have used BetterHelp because of valid security concerns around it. I don't I think those concerns are overblown. Tesla's as well. I don't get de-influenced from buying. I just get de-influenced from talking about them publicly. Yeah. Like for example, cigarette smoking is not cool, but I've smoked cigarettes for 15 years. <laughs> Andrew, I thought we weren't we weren't coming clean until later this year. <laughs> well, before we move into influencers and their advertising habits. I did want to ask y'all just to kind of prime us. How often are we coming across videos where it takes us a minute to realize that it's either sponsored slash native advertising before we swipe on? This happens to me a fair bit. I'll get like 10 to 15 seconds in and be like, ugh, sponsored. Well, yeah. Okay. But on TikTok, it'll say sponsor in the bottom left, right? At least you can label it that. I hope it doesn't take you that long to realize it's sponsored. No, I mean, I'm not necessarily looking at where it says sponsored because sometimes there are creators who are genuinely just creators and they're not only putting out sponsored content. So if you Mm -hmm. see them come up in your For You page, you may not initially realize that what they're doing is sponsored because they'll be doing it like a skit that they would perform on their regular page. Oh, that's fair. Do do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I see the difference. Yeah. I don't mind like um, genuine product reviews, but you can kind of tell, unfortunately, with the rise of TikTok shop, it's uh, you're just getting fed more and more trash from people that are just trying to make a buck. And so a a lot of times what I've noticed too is that Someone will recommend a product without actually having having even ordered it from the TikTok shop. I don't know if you've seen anything like that. 
Wow. Laura, but I've definitely seen that. And it's just, I don't know, anytime somebody, I guess the end of a video and someone goes, oh, check it out. Use my link for the TikTok shop. I think to myself, oh, they got me again. (laughs) I just know that it's like never genuine. Mm -hmm. And are these like, uh, are these Amazon referral links that people are using? Because they're clearly getting some kind of cut. I know. Well, in terms of the TikTok shop, now they're getting affiliate kickbacks within TikTok, right? Yeah. I don't think it's within Amazon. But surely, yes, there's a lot of affiliate market- marketing going on through Amazon, too. Or even you see this in a ton on a ton of websites these days. Like, I'm an Apple nerd. I go to MacRumors.com quite a bit. They do these like daily deals posts with the day's discounts from various right. tech companies and they're all affiliate links, but they make that clear. Um, but I bring this up because it can be a huge source of revenue depending on the creator or the publisher. Mellow Dumb, who's listening live, said, I deleted TikTok because I was so fed up with seemingly every single video being sponsored or an ad. It does feel like every what three or four videos yeah. is an ad. And I mentioned those videos that have a sponsored tag in the bottom left uh, you know, okay, here we go. I just loaded up TikTok. One ad after three real videos. Uh, a post with somebody tagging TikTok. Another ad that's sponsored. <laughs> Another commissioned live stream. Yeah, there's so many. Another ad. This one for Taco Bell. Yeah. It's so many. So many. Andrew, what you're describing is the enshittification of TikTok that, I mean, <laughs> honestly, has been happening for quite a while at this point. Um, but it, it really hits home when you pull up the app and you are reading out like ad, ad, ad. Oh, that's real. Ad, ad, ad. Um, yeah, yeah it, it's exhausting. I totally understand why you would delete it. I use it way less than I used to. And I guess what they're doing behind the scenes is just being very careful with that knob. They start turning it, giving you more and more ads until Mm -hmm. they see more resistance from people, like people leaving the app faster because there's too many ads and they turn it back. By the way, I don't think either of you shared if you've been de-influenced before. I know I've definitely like recommended stuff on the show before and then people are like, oh, actually, like that's a bad company. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You know, that's happened to us. Yeah. We all of us had that happen a couple of times when we've talked about things that we initially recommended and people were like, wait, actually, that really sucks because of all these like terrible, like capitalistic nightmare reasons. So definitely there. Um, And I think sometimes de-influencing kind of comes from like social consequences. So if, for example, you wore your oat milk shirt out every day, Andrew, eventually you would get the vibe that most people think you're a douche and you you would be (laughs) de-influenced from ever wearing that shirt again. I do feel strange wearing the oat milk shirt in public. It's like, who is this for? Like... (laughs) What message am I trying to convey here? I don't know. I like the lettering, though, like the athletics, like the varsity lettering. I think that's Yeah, it's like arched. Cool. Looks like you went to Oat Milk University. It's no longer sold at Urban. I looked it up. So maybe I should put it on eBay. Maybe it's going to be worth something one Honestly, day. Honestly, yeah, go for it. But speaking about like listeners kind of de-influencing us when we recommend something, that's where hopefully listeners and we ourselves society as a whole should have grace with one another and not 
attack people just because they didn't know something that you did. And that's the thing with everything that we're talking about today. Everybody's going to decide on their own timeline, when am I actually going to do research into anything that I buy? Some of us do, some of us don't. And you could spend five minutes doing some research, you know, target shirts are bad, question mark, and see what you find. And you might not find anything in your little five-minute search. But then if you spent three hours doing an extreme deep dive, signing up for a service, which I was looking at earlier today, to tell you about how environmentally responsible these companies are, but this all takes time and money. So it's just, again, having the grace and be like, hey, I heard something about this company that's really bad. I think the cons outweigh the pros here, so you should rethink it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, be nice. It's always like, I'm so shocked insert host here yeah i know it's like well we didn't do the same research that you did sorry we're only human like we can't get it right all the time we definitely shook a couple people when we talked about using like wipes in the bathroom instead of just toilet paper uh and fair enough those things are terrible for the environment that's a case in which i genuinely and probably stupidly believe the packaging that said it was biodegradable um, (laughs) because we have since learned that it is not and those things are horrible um Mm -hmm. but again you know not everybody has the same level of access and you have to have grace with other people but also with yourself to know that you can't be sort of like the pinnacle of ethics in every single thing you do in your life. It's not possible. We here at Millennials say it's okay to not be perfect, dear listener. (laughs) Laura will use her wipes. I might go get a burger from time to time. (laughs) Pam's going to continue using... I don't know. What's bad, Pam? I'm still drinking oat milk. <laughs> oh, yeah, oat milk. And she's going to buy the Taylor Swift cassette tapes that she'll literally never use, but she'll buy anyway. <laughs> um, Laura, are you talking about wipes in place of like toilet paper? Or like, yeah. what are you? T- okay. How about a bidet? Have you thought about a bidet? Yes. Yeah, so we've been thinking about that for a long time and we just haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. But I'm very interested. I'm also a little bit. <laughs> nervous about it (laughs) that's why i don't use one pat has a tushy and i do not use that thing that thing freaks me out i so and look he uses the bidet i don't does he cancel me because i still use toilet paper no but we all have our tolerance and risk levels (laughs) laura i think we should have a new mini podcast series exclusively on patreon where you just review every bidet available on amazon Order all of them <laughs> and give them. <laughs> hey, I mean, there's there are so many differences. I recently learned you can get a really fancy one that shoots hot water, like it Ooh. warms the water up. They don't all shoot warm water. <laughs> no, <laughs> what? <laughs> Apparently not. Well, no wonder Andrew's scared. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do not think ours shoots warm water. I mean, it's just hooked up to the regular toilet line. So that's not going to be heated water. Oh, I thought there was like a little heater attached or something. Wow. I it's really not thought plugged this was in anything, I don't think. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. Well, we've established that none of us are ethical in the um, poop department, I guess. We're all like polluting a lot around like the use of toilet paper and wipes. 
listeners, do you have a bidet that you love? Let Laura know and she'll review it on the show. I hear good things, though. Honest to God, like people say, I I feel so clean. And, you know, then you're not using toilet paper or wipes. Well, I mean, you have one in your house. Maybe you should just try. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Why don't you review it? You already have one. I am scared. I just said I am scared (laughs) of that thing for the show. (laughs) I am scared of that thing. I don't even know how to use it. There's a knob. What if it's too high? You have an expert in your house. We're not there yet in our relationship where we can talk about <laughs> asshole hygiene. Oh, man. You moved across the country together, but you're not at, that, at the point where you can talk about the day <laughs> strategies. It's in the guest bathroom where, like, my mom uses the bathroom when she visits. In the guest so, like, bathroom. Yeah, the, yeah, where I don't have to see it because I'm scared of it. But... <laughs> But my, but then my mom has to look at it while she's visiting. Who knows if she uses it? So when Laura and I come visit, we, we'll just we'll be braced for the the tushy. Yes, yes. I'll leave you a little like journal where you can log your thoughts. <laughs> Five stars. Ooh, too strong. This water's too cold. <laughs> oh, how did it here? I don't. Something about de-influencing. Oh, sustainability. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to go look at some bidets and we'll be right back. I feel like we should have just ended the episode there, but we're going to continue today anyway. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about this study. This shocked me. Most influencers fail to admit to advertising. A study from the EU showed. Quoting Reuters now, four out of five influencers on social media failed to disclose commercial content they post as advertising as required under EU law. The screening of 576 influencers showed that nearly all, 97% of them posted commercial content, but only 20% systematically indicated that it was advertising. The EU did not name the influencers. National authorities will contact them to request they follow the rules in place and further enforcement action may be taken if necessary. The results of the survey will feed into the Digital Fairness Fitness Check on EU Consumer Law. This was launched in spring 2022 by the European Commission that will assess whether applicable EU law is sufficient to ensure a high level of consumer protection. So I would not have guessed that only 20% of creators systematically indicate their post as an ad. Which makes me want to be more cautious than I already was. This is crazy because the um I know that at least in the UK they're so strict about, but I guess the UK is not in the U- EU anymore, right? They they yeah. left, but like, but in general, I know that they're way more strict about that stuff over there. That's why if you follow any um any influencers who are European or or um specifically based in the UK, you probably see a lot of like right at the beginning of the post, like ad slash spawn or gifted. Before they even get to the to the caption, because nobody wants to get sued or fined. But I guess some people do because not everyone's using this stuff. Nobody wants to get sued. But even worse than that is they don't want their followers seeing how often they're running ads on their channel, because then you could potentially turn off people from following you, I think. Like, there comes a point where a creator posts so many ads, I'm just like, I'm done with you. I don't care. I don't want to be constantly advertised to through your account. I did not follow you for that. Do we feel like a lot of these creators are using native advertising as their model? Where they're sort of like doing a skit that is based on a specific 
um, a specific um, event and they're like holding a liquid death in every scene <laughs> of right, their sketch. Right. Like, is that what's happening? I'm sure that is one type of way that it is happening. I'm also thinking of like a day in the life type of videos or come mm-hmm. with me as I do this and that during the day. And they're holding the Stanley quencher or a spoon from home goods. I don't I don't know. Yeah. And there's so many people following them. Even if it's just a split second that you're seeing this bottle, that's going to get what ten, five to ten percent of the people watching interested in that product that you're holding in a one mm-hmm. cool shot in your video, which could potentially translate to thousands of sales, depending on the size of the creator. Mm-hmm. So here's what to look out for if you're suspicious that a post was actually sponsored, but it's not abundantly clear. And like I was saying, they try to hide it. Because they know it's going to turn you off if you're doing ads. And it comes off as disingenuous a lot of the time. So first of all, Pam mentioned this phrase, gifted. Um, you'll you'll have to look out for a mention of a post being sponsored, like in the hashtags. That should be one of the clearest areas to find to figure out whether something's sponsored or not. So you'll find you know, the hashtag will just be SP for sponsored, or it'll be sponsored, or it'll be hosted, or partner. I'm a Hyatt partner. I'm staying at Hyatt. Hashtag Hyatt partner. Or like Pam said, gifted. Or any sort of verbiage in a video that implies they worked together, like the creator and a company. Like, I teamed up with Target to go check out their latest Uh, store. Or I was invited to Universal Studios to check out this new restaurant. Yeah, they were likely paid for that. Or at the least... They were given a free meal. And that is being paid in exchange for an ad on their on on their channel. And that has to be disclosed that they were paid via a meal or a gift bag. Also, just reading between the lines, a type of post that is uncharacteristic for a particular creator to do. Sometimes you see a creator like go to like, I don't know, like a chicken shop or something that just opened. And you're just like, what? <laughs> okay. Since when do you post videos from Raising Canes or look out for a review of something that's just glowing with no criticism? I think that is always the clearest sign that something's sponsored and they're not coming clean. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I loved this movie so much. Did you really? Madam Web has 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. You did not love it that much. I think also just because like we we have done, um, you know, advertising on this show, for example, I anytime like somebody talks about like say like the texture of a piece of clothing that raises red flags for me because it's like those are all like um buzzwords, right? So if you say something right. is like oh smooth like soft and smooth on the skin, it's like okay, like this is like verbiage from the company. It has to be. Right. Yeah. Anytime I see companies using buttery soft, buttery soft to describe yeah. something, I'm like, mm. call them out, Laura. We know you're talking about me undies. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. They they say that it's like a cloud for your ass, yeah. or at the very cloud least, like that's comfort. what I say. That's what you say. I think they need to steal that from you. They should. They should pay me for it too. And with podcast ads, it's clear on this show and most others when an ad starts and ends. We're going to take a break. This week's episode is sponsored by, you know, if you ever heard us doing an entire episode on Raising Canes, you should be wondering if that episode is sponsored by Raising Canes or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, why did they all of a sudden get interested in that? Yeah. I thought I thought those monsters loved Chick-fil-A, not Raising yeah, Canes. I was say, I Andrew was diehard for Chick-fil-A. 
Uh, Raising Cane's, honestly, I'm I'm okay. It's fine. I'm not. I don't get why there's always a line at Raising Cane's. Have you two gone to Raising Cane's? No, they don't have them up here. Honestly, I don't know what that is. Oh, like chicken, chicken tenders. Yeah, Yeah. I figured it was some kind of chicken competitor, but yeah, we don't have them here. The bread, the bread rolls, those are very good, and the secret sauce, like you mentioned, Pam, very good. But the tendies, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not writing home. About the tendies. Token like a loyal Chick-fil-A fanboy. <laughs> also discovered another chicken place that I think is a chain. Houston Hot Chicken. Oh, my God. It's oh, that so does sound familiar. Good. And finally, Pam, you actually brought attention to this one. And I think this is a good one. Yeah. So if you happen to be somebody that watches YouTube even casually, I would say like more than just one channel. And you start to see an influx of people talking about the same thing or going to the same experience chances i would say like it's probably like 99% an ad even if they don't mention it i always look in the description whenever i see this happening or whenever i have seen it, seen it happen and the number of people that just like don't mention that this was like clearly a gifted excursion is incredible to me because you would think that would be something that you would have to do so whether it's like if you're like over on the beauty side of youtube and you start to see everybody um reviewing the same mascara probably a pr package that got sent out even if nobody's doing a pr unboxing if like everyone's all of a sudden going to universal studios hollywood it's probably a a gifted excursion to check out something new so yeah you gotta be vigilant I have not, you know, if if Hypable was still active today and we were still getting invited to trips like that, I would disclose that. I've gone on trips to Universal in particular. I did not just blatantly state this trip was paid for by Universal and definitely should have. Um, I think I guess I, like but but you probably just said like um like was invited to check this out, right? Yeah. Yeah, and as but I think that that, think that that's counts. Fine. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. guess. And also, you're not hiding your byline. That's true. Either that's true. You said a few minutes ago you were surprised that so many people get away without disclosing. I think it's so easy to get away with this deceptive advertising because social media is just absolutely flooded with creators. So how could the FTC or other authorities like the EU possibly police everybody? And if I were FTC, I would just, I guess, focus on the big creators and hopefully the smaller guys just learn by example. Mm -hmm. But what does happen if you break the guidelines? Like I said, you need to disclose when a post is sponsored. I found some writing on the FTC's website. The FTC conducts investigations and brings cases involving endorsements made on behalf of an advertiser under Section 5 of the FTC Act, which generally prohibits deceptive advertising. The guides are intended to give insight into what the FTC thinks about various marketing activities involving endorsements and how Section 5 might apply to those activities. The guides themselves don't have the force of law. However, practices inconsistent with the guides may result in law enforcement actions alleging Section 5 violations. Law enforcement actions can result in orders requiring the defendants in the case to pay money that goes back to customers harmed as a result of their violations and to abide by various requirements in the future. Moreover, if the defendants received a notice of a notice of penalty offenses regarding endorsements and then engaged in certain deceptive or unfair endorsement practices, the FTC could seek substantial civil penalties. So that's what could be done. 
Hopefully, there will be improvements over time. I'm sure it also partly comes down to a staffing issue at the FTC. Again, so oh, many creators. Sure. How can they can they keep up with everybody? It's just like the IRS. How much fraud goes on there? Right. And everything's moving so much faster. I mean, include AI in this equation and think about how difficult it's going to be to monitor people who are, you know, running unethical advertisements because they're not adhering to disclosure requirements. So I wanted to also ask if we trust our favorites who we follow on social media that when they are making a sponsored post. Do we trust that the opinions that they are offering in that post are genuine? Now, ethically, anyone sharing an opinion and claiming it to be genuine, as is implied by posting about it, should be truthful. But influencers and journalists, etc., can be influenced themselves to offer a glowing review of something in order to continue a getting more trips and gifts from these companies, B, getting more ad deals, of course, it's all about the money, or C, simply continuing to stay in a company's good graces. So for example, movie studios will sometimes send press on trips to interview the stars of movies. And you've seen studios slowly get social media influencers involved in these types of things too. I was once invited to Hawaii for that shitty Marvel TV show, Inhumans, that was on ABC. Oh. Yeah, remember that one? I was also yeah. invited by Disney to go to Santa Fe, New Mexico for The Lone Ranger, starring uh, Johnny Depp and Army Hammer. Both trips paid for by Disney with extracurricular activities while you're there. Horseback riding in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, I, you know, Food tastings in Hawaii. They put us up at Alani, the Disney Resort. You get uh, a per diem every day, like, you know, a hundred bucks to spend on food and drinks, you know, it's a whole vacation. But you're also expected to give a positive review of these shitty projects. But they're sending you on these trips to influence you to give better reviews. They're whining and dining you. Yeah, exactly. Basically. And I mean, to some extent it works, but if something's bad, it's bad as well. So you can still be honest about the movie and talk about how good the trip was, I guess. So you can try to toe a line, but that's how they do it. You know, a a movie or a TV show is going to be a piece of garbage when they start inviting press on vacations. Pam, I wanted to ask you as somebody who's done a lot of uh, work with studios before, do you have an example or two of how a studio has tried to influence you? I wish I had a clear example, but I feel like anytime they invite you anywhere, they're trying to influence you. Like, right, because there's always the like way... free food there. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that like, like it's kind of like, um, you know, like obviously like the um, the the PR person is going to be nice to you because they want you to have a good time. Yeah. So you just have to take everything with a grain of salt and try not to be so... Um, starry-eyed over all of it like that's the big thing like but they want you to they want you to be dazzled and they give you a swag bag with the t-shirt and a candle yeah sometimes i also think that that's why like disney also does this very well to your point um all of their like press events are like excursions even if they're just for like one day um like i remember one time they in they they like took a group of us to Disneyland and it was just so they could like show us that they were 
bringing Captain America as the face character out into the parks. And it was like a whole day at the park with different stuff just so that we could like see this person dressed up as Captain America, which is crazy because all of that takes money. Yeah, it was fun. But, but you're taking pictures of it. You're posting it on social. It's exactly. basically you're making free ads for Disneyland. Exactly. Yeah. But I also think that that's why like um, like they they probably know that like the the larger outlets or the medium sized outlets are just going to like tell you how it is, even if the movie sucks. Right. But I also think that that's why they also invite like a diverse group of people um, like mom bloggers, too. You see a lot of the times like it. And of course, like they're going to be excited to be there because they they're probably don't always often so positive. Get, opportunities yeah so they right. that's how they balance it out like for every like curmudgeon journalist that's gonna be like this this was like shitty there's the mommy <laughs> like, blogger they're inviting on a vacation yeah. yeah from des moines iowa she has a miserable life with a shitty ass husband and now here's disney inviting her to disneyland and dining her at a yeah, lot exactly it's like a trip <laughs> of a lifetime exactly. in a lot of ways yeah so of course she's gonna be like oh my god this is incredible i'm being treated like a celebrity and and then she goes and tweets like that was the hottest Captain America I've ever seen. And then they use that in promotional material. Right. <laughs> oh my God. <sighs> I didn't know it ran that deep, honestly. Keep an eye on uh, movie commercials. And when you see them just quoting reactions from people on Twitter, that's another way you know that a movie is bad uh, because they're getting, yeah. they're just getting reaction tweets from people who went to a screening and are like, oh my God, that was really so really generic, like best movie. <laughs> right. Incredible action. Dynamic. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fast paced. Ugh, everything's just so fake. So <laughs> we didn't get to my question. <laughs> <laughs> Do we trust our favorites that they're offering an honest opinion? Um, I think for me, it just takes time. Like, I got to know somebody for a really long time before I can trust them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. Because especially if I'm thinking about the world of TikTok, I don't know if any of the people I follow are favorites to the point where I would feel comfortable buying something they recommended. Because TikTok is more of like about dissociation for me. How about like a podcaster? Is there a podcaster you trust when they do ads? Like, oh, I believe what they're saying is genuine. No, because we're podcasters. Yeah. And they're doing Whoa. all the same Whoa. ads we've done. No, no, no. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I'm so like, for instance, in the past when we've done host read ads and we got some say over the ads that we run, we were able to say yes to this, no to this. With dynamically inserted ads. Oh, I'm not talking about that though. But a host read ad. Yeah. By... Oh, yeah. Depends okay. on what it is. You know what which one was like making me laugh for the longest time? Anna Ferris's unqualified was doing a host read ad for McDonald's. And I was <laughs> oh, like, yeah. you're telling me Anna Ferris is going to McDonald's on the regular for a Big Mac and Coke. <laughs> Have we talked about this? I brought this up to Pat because he listens to that show. I don't and know. I was, I was listening to him. And we were both listening to it. And she's talking about the quarter pounder and how juicy it is. Oh, I was right, like, the you quarter gotta be pounder. fucking kidding me. If I'm on a <laughs> Ferris, I, I, I'm i saying no to McDonald's. You can find somebody else to sponsor your podcast. 
don't roll around in the dirt with McDonald's. Yeah. So anyway, when stuff like <laughs> when stuff like that happens, you're just like, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. Listeners, if we ever do a, a host read ad for McDonald's, please cancel us. Yeah, loudly. that's the end. Call us out. We will only accept what? Like in and out? <laughs> Not even in and out. No raisin canes. <laughs> Not even I'll I'll do an ad for the raisin canes bread, but but not the the chicken tendies. Yeah, (laughs) I would like to see more transparency amongst podcasters, social media influencers, in terms of how they select ads. Because often on like TikTok, you see somebody doing an ad, but they never talk about it. Like actually, I think here we're we can be pretty honest about the ads that we select. Yeah, we're more open than I think you'll hear a lot of like YouTubers and TikTokers being. Yeah, yeah, we've even mentioned saying no to stuff. Like obviously, we we never name the companies by name, but we've alluded to some stuff. Like I know we've said before that we um, will say no to diet companies, like diet branded stuff. Yeah. Just, I think creators should just tell their audience your process, explain why they can trust you, and just explain why you need to accept the ads and how it helps you as a creator. I mean, that often goes undiscussed too. Yeah. I'm buried in student loan debt. I'm buried in medical bills. I happen to stumble into the success on TikTok, and damn it, I'm going to take advantage of this. I'm going to seize this opportunity, and I'm going to do it in a way that hopefully makes both you as the viewer and me as the creator happy just be honest with people yeah well and i think the being honest with people is really the best way you can achieve that balance because like we were talking about earlier in this conversation there is a line for when it becomes too annoying to continue following somebody if half of what they do is sponsored content Mm -hmm. if somebody's being more real about why they're doing it, then they probably wouldn't be letting their sponsored content take up quite that much of their page. Right. So it, it just feels like, um, it feels like I agree with you. There is a lack of transparency. By the way, there have been dynamically inserted ads for McDonald's on MuggleCast, <laughs> I think. <laughs> At least <laughs> that's more believable, too. right? Like no, no, I feel no, like that's people totally fine. would believe that hosts on this show and on Bunglecast might eat McDonald's every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, and Andrew, feel feel free to edit that however you need to. I thought you were asking if people think that we support all of the brands that are dynamically inserted on our show. Oh. And I I was like, probably not. No, no, no. <laughs> right. And I mean, that's something we could be forthcoming about with our audience if we wanted to at any time. But like we don't like I told you too privately, we can't turn off particular companies. We can turn off ad categories. But Mm -hmm. what's McDonald's under fast food? Maybe I I don't. Why would we want to blanket ban all fast food? They just happen to be the company that's running ads right now. So. Mm -hmm. All right. Hey, Pam, what is coming up in After Dark this week? We have the fourth, maybe final for now, part of our friendship series. And we all have a story that we've brought to the table. So we're going to be griping about some issues we've had in our friendships. Andrew has a Bumble BFF update. I have a grievance about somebody who's particularly uh, picky in my life. 
and Laura's story is a mystery, but uh, you'll have to <laughs> tune into After Dark if you want to know. I live to serve. The story of Laura is always a mystery. Thank you. Oh, man, you just made me sound so much cooler than I actually am. After Dark is a part of Mega Millennial, which is the main show ad free with After Dark attached to the end. And if you're a Spotify user, you can tap into the show, then click the Patreon banner. You'll be able to access the Patreon audio benefits like Mega Millennial from right within Spotify. I mentioned our new roll call benefit at the top of the show, so definitely don't miss that. We also have our planning meetings that you get to listen to if you're an executive producer patron. We also have our planning docs for many more patrons, and we got our live stream access as we record every Tuesday nights. So definitely check out all of those benefits. And if you prefer to support us within Apple Podcasts, you will still get Mega Millennial as well as Ad-Free Millennial. Both Apple Podcasts and Patreon offer discounted access to our benefits with seven-day free trials as well as annual subscriptions. All right, time for some recommendations. What is your rec, Laura? So I want to make a recommendation to everyone out there who has a sibling, whether that's, you know, a blood relative sibling, a brother from another mother, whoever it may be that really just feels like they have that brother sister energy for you go on a road trip with that person i just went on a little mini road trip with my brother to visit our grandparents for a few days and it is the first time in a long time that he and i have spent a stretch of days together just the two of us and it was really, really special. Like we got Aww. to have some That's long, so nice. in-depth conversations just about life and growing up and all the things that we want moving forward. And it's just not the same when, you know, you love the rest of your family, but it's not the same when everyone else is around. Really getting to bond with your sibling like that as adults um, is just so cool. So if you have someone like that in your life, take a road trip with them. I think I think you'll uh, you won't regret it. Similar ideas, just getting dinner mm-hmm. or lunch with that person. Mm-hmm. It sounds kind of mm-hmm. obvious, but maybe you don't think to actually get lunch or dinner or coffee with just one person. If you do it as like, for example, over the holidays, me and Pat and my sister and brother-in-law in-law, all went out to dinner together, not with my parents. Traditionally, we would have all gone out together. But I had said, let's just go out to dinner, the four of us. And then it's a different conversation that you have. Though my mom yeah. was still jelly. She was like, she said to Becca, should I invite myself too? <laughs> Oh, she wanted to spend time with her kids. I know, but we needed some sibling time, you know? Yeah, I get that. Come on, Mom. I'm seeing you the other seven days of my trip. (laughs) Similarly, a few years ago, we um, all of my siblings and I were finally old enough to sit at the bar together. Oh, And that was really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, oh, finally the baby caught up. (laughs) I want to recommend Piranha, the brand, hiking gear. P-R-A-N-A. I have decided within the last few weeks that I am investing in myself this year with good quality clothing and other products. Pam, you're going to be proud of me. You know I resisted buying good sunglasses because I'm afraid of losing them. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. 
The time has come. Yes, I've ordered ah. some Ray Bans. I have some Ray Bans now. Wait, I need to see them. I'll later. send them to you later. later. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm investing in myself this year. And I love these piranha hiking pants, specifically the stretch Zion pants. These are for men, but they have great options for women as well. And in light of our discussions today, I went looking on their sustainability page and I was reading all about their efforts to be more sustainable. And one nice touch that I knew without reading their sustainability page is that when the pants that I ordered online came in, they of course were in a mailing label, but inside the pants were rolled up and just tied with a string. And I thought that was so cute and way better than all this plastic that you might get with other clothing that you order online. I've talked about how I get discount. I I buy the Peloton uh, apparel when it's on sale. But my God, it's plastic wrapped in plastic, wrapped in paper, wrapped in plastic. It is ridiculous. These piranha pants just wrapped up with a string. I was like, oh, this is so cute and good for Earth. So check out Piranha if you're into uh, hiking stuff. You'll see them at REI, too. I wanted to recommend elastic shoelaces. Just any brand will work, honestly. I've been trying to get back into jogging, but the thing about me and running or jogging is that I kind of need to do it before my mind wakes up and realizes what my body's doing. So that requires me to jump out of bed and just like do it first thing in the morning, enter the elastic shoelaces because then I don't have to lace my running shoes up, I can just slip them on. And I also love these for my high tops because again, those just take longer to um, lace up or take off like lace down if you want to take them off. So I've switched out the regular laces for elastic shoelaces. And yeah, I'm just living my best life and getting to use these shoes to their fullest potential. Highly recommend um, if you have a pair of shoes with laces that you just like don't like tying up for whatever reason, it's just going to make your life better. It's like one of those little things you can do to um, improve your quality of life. I need to try these because I step into my shoes like I'm a five-year-old. I refuse to untie and retie <laughs> yeah. my shoes. So sounds like these could help. Make sure you're following the show in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode and leave us a review in Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. Spotify also offers podcast listeners the option to submit feedback right within an individual episode page. You'll see a box under the Spotify episode player that says, what did you think about this episode that you can use to send us feedback? As for other ways to contact us, you can email millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form or the anonymous confessional over on millennialshow.com. And make sure to give us a follow over on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and threads. And over on TikTok, we are at Millennial Pod. After Dark, we'll start in a moment for patrons and Apple Podcast subscribers. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm 19K. I'm calling myself 19K this week. <laughs> oh, God. You don't have to make up a name. It's okay. No, I have to. I'm bathroom wipe. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm elastic shoelaces. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Pair those three together. See what you come up with. AI art. 19K bathroom wipe. <laughs> <laughs> with a toilet taped together using elastic <laughs> shoelaces. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>